Welcome back to the latest Head of the Pack. I'm Matt Schneidman here with Bill Huber. We finally reached the end of preseason. For the first time since 1987, the Packers do not win a preseason game. Uh, they were outscored 68-21 to 21 in three games. Who cares? None of it matters. I mean, obviously, I don't want to disrespect the guys who are fighting for their roster spots and fighting for their jobs, but... Um, in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to the Packers in the regular season, none of this matters. They uh, didn't dress at least 30 guys for all three games. Only a couple you know, key starters, Chris Barnes, um, Josh Myers, Lucas Patrick, John Runyon Jr. maybe, were, were the only real key players, plus A.J. Dillon, uh, to play on offense and defense. So Nothing really to draw from the preseason in terms of how the Packers will do in the regular season, but the preseason's fun because we get to evaluate the guys fighting for their jobs and, and roster spots, and I think we got a, another hint at that on Saturday. Bill, I wanted to start with um, the wide receiver battle. I, I'd say Malik Taylor is a lock. He played really well in all three games. Do you see any way in which he, he's not on the 53? I suppose if they go with only five receivers, right? Right. Which is, I suppose, they have to... I mean, Laurel, you know some of the offensive linemen they got to keep because of Bakhtiari and, and Kelly, and what they can do with Zedarius Smith and get that extra guy there. So maybe they just run into numbers problems. The floor loves his tight ends, Matt. And you can go Aaron Jones and Dylan in the same backfield and split Jones out. So I guess if, if you want to know a way Taylor doesn't get down the roster, that's that's the way... I think he's I think he's earned it. I mean, he dropped the pass last week against the Jets, but otherwise he's been really good just about every day at practice and in, in all three preseason games. Yeah, I think that's the roster battle most people were interested in. So you, let, let's actually do this. Let's go position by position and go through our 53-man roster projections. Um, mine is up on The Athletic right now, my last one. When's yours coming out? Um, Yeah, maybe Monday morning. Monday morning, okay. I did one before this game, mm-hmm. so I might do one Monday morning. Okay. People love them. Oh, yeah, they love him. So let, let's start with quarterback. I don't think they, they keep Benkert on the 53. Um, I think they take their chances and wave him and hope he doesn't get claimed and then try and add him back to the practice squad. As we've discussed, the only chance he gets claimed is if the Falcons, who he played for the last three years, and he kind of knows Arthur Smith's offense because he's playing in Matt LaFleur's now, um, need a backup quarterback so desperately because A.J. McCarron tore his ACL that, that they claim Benkert. But I, I think it's just Rodgers and Love on the 53. Yeah, I agree. I got into a debate with one of our colleagues on the practice field the other day about he was sure Benkert would get claimed. And I'm thinking, no. The guy was unemployed until like the middle of May and he got here on a tryout. So everybody could everybody could have had this guy for free. And I don't think league-wide quarterback plays as bad as people think it is. I mean, there's been a real influx of draft picks. Um, at the end of the day, Benkert, I don't have the numbers in front of me. They're upstairs. I think he had 18 possessions and 14 points. Now, some of that's out of his hands. But he played good but not great. I don't I don't see him getting claimed either. Even Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta had him for three years, and they let him go. Right. I think I had this sudden epiphany. Oh, my God, Kurt Benkert, what did we miss? <laughs> no, not happening. Right, I agree. Uh, running back, last year they took four, but that's because Tyler Irvin was kind of that gadget guy who also returned um, kicks and punts. This year, Amari Rogers could be that guy. 
and he's at wide receiver, so I don't think they need to keep four running backs. I think it's just Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Kylan Hill. I will say, Dexter Williams averaged 4.8 yards per carry on 17 rushes this preseason. I thought he ran nicely. Obviously, if you're a running back in this offense, you need to be able to catch and pass block, and I don't think he can do either, so he doesn't make the roster. I think Kylan Hill's a lock, but I was uh, a little pleasantly surprised by Dexter Williams, but my three is Jones, Dillon, Hill, um, I thought it was interesting on the broadcast, Kevin Harlan and James Lofton kind of raised the idea that, you know, could Hill or how many of A.J. Dillon's number two snaps will Kylan Hill take? I don't think we're at that point yet, but um, I do think the Packers should be very pleased that they got a steal with the 256th overall pick. Yeah, he's been really good. It's going to be interesting. How, how, how do you give him carries? You know, it's obviously different, but, you know, it's the Saints – trying to get Taysom Hill into the offense, but benching Drew Brees, right? Do you want to put Aaron Jones on the bench? I mean, God, that's hard to do. You want to put A.J. Dillon on the bench? Unless you're going to, again, use Aaron Jones as a receiver from time to time. That's It's hard to do. Yeah, Dexter Williams, yeah, I'm, I'm with it. I thought he played really well the last two games. But again, who's going to claim Dexter Williams? Nobody. Nobody. So he, he's your he's your fourth running back around the practice squad. That just seems pretty pretty easy. The guys played well, though. And, um. I was buying into the Patrick Taylor hype through training camp and then the preseason game, and it just could hardly have gone worse for the guy. Yeah. I think we were all excited to see kind of what he brought since he barely even practiced last year coming off that foot injury at Memphis, but um, he doesn't really have that explosiveness upfield, as Matt LaFleur mentioned in that first game. Um, He kind of dances around in the backfield looking for his hole. And Dexter Williams and Kylan Hill, they're explosive going forward. And, and Patrick Taylor really isn't. And then he also had the fumble, so that, that didn't help. But yeah, those are the three at running back. Wide receiver, I think they go six. Devontae, MVS, Lazard, Cobb, Amari Rogers, Malik Taylor. Um, I think Reggie Begleton's the first guy out over Juwan Winfrey and EQ. I mean, I started camp with Juwan Winfrey as my number six, but he's missed the last three weeks with a shoulder injury. EQ can't stay on the field. Um, Funchess is gone now. I thought Reggie Begleton didn't really make any mistakes. Sure, maybe he could have caught that first touchdown on the fourth and goal, but he's going up against one of the best corners in the league in Trey White, and, and Love really zipped that one in there in a tight window, so I don't blame him for, for that. He doesn't drop the ball. Uh, he can return. So if they keep seven wide receivers, which I really don't think they're going to do, it's either going to be five or six, I would take Begleton, but I think he easily finds his way back on uh, the practice squad. But I was pleasantly surprised with what he did. Yeah, he is really polished. You can tell that he's 28 years old, the second oldest right. receiver on the team behind Devontae Adams. He's he's polished. He doesn't screw up. But like I said, Matt, no, nobody's going to claim Begleton. He's perfectly safe in the practice squad, and he's he's here. And, and you know, you know that he'll be ready. You know, if emer- emergency strikes in week whatever. You know that he'll have been plugged into the offense this entire time. You can plug him into the lineup, and you'll be good to go with him. So, yeah, practice squad for him. And I do say they will keep Malik Taylor for six. Yes. Offense, or no, tight ends next. Um, Tunyon, Lewis, DeGuara, Daphne. Daphne didn't have a great game today, but, you know, we've talked about this before. I don't think Sternberger has a future here. You know, we keep going back to this, but anytime your position coach calls out your off-the-field habits and essentially your your study habits and knowledge of the playbook in year three in the system that's not a good sign um it, it's just time to move on 
Uh, I know injuries kind of derailed his his start, but the Jay Sternberger experiment is over. Um, I'm not even talking about the two game suspension. Sure, they could probably keep him keep him around uh, just in case one of the four guys above him get hurt. But at that point, I don't even think they want to throw him in the lineup. Then it, it just seems they don't really trust him to put him in a big spot. You know, he played a lot in all four preseason games, uh, which shows you how they feel about him. And I, I just think he has no future here. So I, I think they cut him on or before the deadline on Tuesday. I don't even think they bother keeping around. If someone gets hurt, they'll just go to the uh, waiver wire free agents and bring someone in to fill a gap. I don't even think they have time for Sternberger anymore. Yeah, I don't know, Matt. I, mean, I don't know. You're right. I mean, there is there is no future for him here. And, and, you, and you raised a great point. He's played a million snaps this preseason, other than the one downfield catch that he had, which spurred this whole conversation with Justin Outen a couple of weeks ago. He's done nothing with it. And the touchdown. AJ and the Dillon. touchdown in the second game. Got to give him that. Yeah. A.J. Dillon, third and goal at the one-yard line. Totally whiffs on the block. Dillon gets shipped up in the backfield today. You got to get your hands in the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's... I you know maybe maybe he'll stick around for the suspension again is the just in case thing that you mentioned but yeah you're right the the future here is or the, there's just no future here for him at this point he's they gave him every opportunity in the world and he couldn't make it work yeah I think it's time to move on and unfortunately for Aaron Rodgers I think this is the end of the road for Bronson Kafusi as well yeah he had at practice on Thursday he had a false start and a tackle for loss on back to back plays not a not ideal. Not ideal. Not but ideal. He's a super interesting developmental guy, though. Again, he's he's old. <laughs> which he could which he could be a and listen after this. You know what? Let's what what we'll do after this. After we go through the fifty three, we'll pinpoint guys who are on the roster right now who who we think are prime practice squad candidates. The guy can the guy's a big physical guy, though. I yeah. Wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't cut bait. He is new to the position. Yes. Offensive line. Um, the most interesting thing here is David Bakhtiari, what they do with him. Right now, he's on PUP. If they keep him on PUP past Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central, he has to miss at least the first six games of the season. If they keep him on the initial 53, they can then move him to IR, and he has to miss a minimum of three weeks, maximum of six, because, well, yeah, maximum of six. Once they designate him to return... They have 21 days to activate him. So um, we have received no indication on about his return timetable. My gut says he's not ready for week one, but my gut also says he's not still eight weeks away from playing. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being fooled by watching him move for the past couple weeks at practice really well because obviously going into a game is different and getting. Fallen on that knee is a whole different story. And Dr. McKenzie's not going to let him play if he thinks getting his knee fallen on could, you know, severely re-injure him. But I think they keep him on the initial 53. I think he'll be back before the first six weeks. So I have Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Newman, Turner, Patrick, Runyon, Braden, Nyman, Kelly. And I would not be surprised if Patrick and Braden or Nyman who I actually just saw in my parking garage, he has the parking spot, two, two spots next to me, um, get cut. But I just think we saw 
how injuries decimated this O-line last year from, from week one on until the NFC Championship game. Guys who can play multiple spots. Lucas Patrick can play all three interior spots. Ben Braden can play left guard, right guard, and right tackle. Those guys are invaluable. And I think they keep Nyman and Kelly because they saw how badly they need tackle depth in the NFC Championship game last year. And I think tackle is the second most important position to have a solid insurance policy at other than quarterback. So I think they keep 10. Wouldn't be surprised if they keep nine, but I think they keep 10 with Van Landen, Capra, Kronk, and Hansen uh, on the outside of the bubble. Yeah, on, on Bakhtiari, on Thursday, he was running, which made me think he was working on cardio. And if you're working on cardio, you're getting there. Yeah. Um, the PUP thing, it's six weeks before you can start practicing. So if he stays on PUP, you're basically forfeiting the first half of the season. I just I just don't think that's happening. So, yeah, I agree with you. I, I could see him making it. And maybe Dennis Kelly, too. Maybe you make it on Tuesday, then you go IR on Wednesday for both those guys. And the fate of those two guys, obviously, is hooked up to everything else. I, I think Nyman has earned a spot. I think, I think he's played really well. Yeah. I think he's earned a spot. Um, Lucas Patrick is weird. No, not, not the person. Lucas, he's not weird at all. <laughs> the situation. They're just jerking this guy around, and I don't understand it for the life of me. He was damn good last year, and they've just jerked the guy around where he played. He was in the battle for the right guard all along, and all of a sudden they just handed it to Royce Newman. Now you got Patrick at left guard late in the game, and if he's your starting left guard, that means when whenever Jenkins moves back to left guard, Lucas Patrick has no job at all. It wouldn't surprise me if they cut him. Um, he should save, start. Save. I, the guy should start. But I agree. It wouldn't surprise me if they come, just the way that they've treated this whole thing. It's very strange to me. Would free up about $2 million in cap, but you know, one of the most important positions in football is the backup center. And the backup I'm with center you. I'm will, not arguing you. Right. Backup center will always have a guaranteed spot on the roster. Now, the Packers have other guys who can snap the ball, Elton Jenkins, John Runyon Jr. But if you, like Matt LaFleur always says, if you want your best five, let's say Josh Myers goes down week one. 10 plays into the season, and David Bakhtiari is not playing, you're not going to move Elton Jenkins to center because no. you need him at left tackle. You're not going to put Yash Nyman at left tackle against the Saints and Cameron Jordan week one. You're going to want to really? keep Elton Jenkins out there. So I understand Elton Jenkins can play center, but let him play center when David Bakhtiari is in, in the lineup. You know, when David Bakhtiari is not, you need to keep – you can't be doing this – as good as Elton Jenkins is, you can't be moving him around to all five spots – put him wherever there's a hole, he needs to play left tackle. So you need a guy not named Elton Jenkins to play center. And I think Lucas Patrick has proved he can do that. I don't think John Runyon Jr. has proved he can. So I think you need to keep Patrick on the 53, not only for his for his ability at guard. I agree he should start at left guard with Bakhtiari out. We can have the debate later about if he starts at right guard when Bakhtiari's back in. But I think, if anything, you need him for that backup center duty. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's just this whole thing is mystifying to me. Um, you can take pro football focus for whatever you'd like to, um, but he hardly, he was one of the best pass-protecting guards in football last year, and he's obviously been, been a tough guy, run blocker, mm -hmm. and a favorite of Rodgers. And how he's just been, I'll use the phrase again, jerked around this training camp, it just, it's dumbfounding to me. He's a good player. The guy should start. Um, it's, it's it's interesting to me. I don't I don't get it. Yeah, I don't blame you. 
Defensive line, I think there's an interesting one here. I have five. I have Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kiki, TJ Slayton, and Jack Heflin. I took him over Tyler Lancaster. I pulled up a stat here, Bill, from True Media and Pro Football Focus. In 2019, Tyler Lancaster rushed the passer 154 times. He registered only six pressures. In 2020, he rushed the passer 158 times. He registered only four pressures. True Media ranks the top, well, in 2019, they ranked the top 142 defensive linemen in terms of pass rush snaps resulting in a pressure, percentage of pass rush snaps resulting in a pressure. And in 2020, they ranked the top 135 defensive linemen. Lancaster did not come close to cracking either list in terms of uh, percentage of, of pass rush snaps affecting the quarterback or pressuring the quarterback. In 2019, it was 3.9%. 2020, it was 25 I think he's a fine run stopper, but we're past the days where Packers defensive line can just be guys. Tyler Lancaster is just a guy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but and I'm, he's, he's just a body. Sure, he can get a body in there and stop the run a couple yards past the line of scrimmage, but you need guys who can get into the backfield and affect the, the quarterback, and not just for their own sake, but to free up the guys on the edge too. And Tyler Lancaster can't do that. With Jack Heflin, at least there's the the unknown, the untapped potential. He had a, a nice pressure today. It, it resulted in a touchdown because Josh Allen really had a great read on the play. But Jack Heflin has shown some good things this training camp. Um, and I think he's earned a spot over Tyler Lancaster, who, quite frankly, at this point, you know what he's going to give you. I'm not saying he's reached his peak, but there's not much more he can do that he hasn't already done, I don't think. Yeah, well said. Can't argue any of that. Um Lancaster's rookie year pro football focus has a stat called run stop percentage. It's basically an impact tackle. If it's first and 10 and against three yards, that is a run stop. If it's four yards, it's not. Um, he was number three among defensive tackles and run stop percentage behind Damon Harrison with the Lions and Damon Harrison with the Giants. <laughs> it, was, it was like an all-time great stat. It was Harrison, Harrison, Lancaster. Lancaster has not played anywhere to that form the last two years. In my Friday projection, I kept Lancaster under the premise that you can probably get Heflin to the practice squad. So, therefore, you basically have six guys in your depth chart. But um, I will change that for Monday. Heflin is – he shows up too much. He had one tackle today. That's all he had. He had one tackle and one quarterback hit. But he seemed like he was so much better than that, didn't it? Yeah, I think – and it goes back to what I asked him about the other day. Um, in the preseason opener – He's near the line of scrimmage, and the Texans throw a screen pass to, I believe it was David Johnson, and Heflin chases him down and tackles him by the shoestrings. When the last time you saw a Packers defensive lineman rush out to the flat and tackle a running back in the open field on a screen pass? I mean, for that alone, you, you gotta gotta give him some props. But yeah, he's made made some nice plays here and there. Um, I think you take Heflin. Uh, you know, six defensive linemen, probably not, but you could. I just don't see why you should hang on to Lancaster any longer. That's all. But I wouldn't be surprised if they went either way on that one. Yeah, five, five is it's such a sub-package league where you only use two of those guys at a time. Five is all you need. So, yeah, I, I would say Hufflin is, with Lancaster not playing today, Hufflin took advantage of it. <clears throat> yeah. Outside linebacker, I just have four. Maybe I should have taken five. I'm going to stick with four. Zadarius Preston, Rashawn Gary, Jonathan Garvin. Jonathan Garvin disposed of the Bills starting left tackle twice today. Once for a pressure, once for, 
I guess two pressures, but once he kind of forced Josh Allen into a self-sack and allowed him to go into Chauncey Rivers, who kind of cleaned up there for the sack. Um, Mike Smith has said that fourth guy will be strictly a special teamer, but don't you have to look at what they can do on defense with the uncertainty surrounding Zedarius's injury? Mm-hmm. Um, all four of those guys can play special teams, Garvin, uh, Nalei, Scott, and Rivers, but I think you have to at least consider a little bit of what they can do on defense because um, Preston Smith and Rashawn, let's say Zedarius doesn't play week one. Let's say he doesn't play week two. Preston and Rashawn are not going to you know, play all the snaps at Ed Drosher. Garvin will get in there, and you want to make sure that he can hold his own. So I think out of those four guys, Nalei, Scott, Rivers, and Garvin, I think Garvin um, is the best fit on defense at least. Yeah, that's a tough call with, with Z. <laughs> You know, maybe maybe keep the four like you said, um, and then you use those practice squad elevations to kind of give you that fifth guy and not right. eat up a spot. Um, but yeah, listening to Mike Smith the other day, um, you know, he was raving about Garvin, and you would say, yeah, well, whatever. Well, this is kind of the way that Mike Smith raved about Rashawn Gary as a rookie. Um, he was and right he about raved that. So we'll about Rashawn Gary. Garvin. Uh, here's part where he's. Garvin's a damn good football player. The one thing I love about him is he knows who he is. He's not going to go out there and try to be flashy and do all this finesse stuff. It's his strength. If you can ask any of the offensive linemen, they struggle against him. Then he wanted to go talk about a conversation that he had with Bakhtiari, where Bakhtiari said he struggles against Garvin's strength. So we haven't really seen it until today. So, yeah, I, I would think Garvin is number four, and they stick with that. Because I, none of those other guys have done diddly squat, frankly. Rivers has been fine. Rivers had eh. Rivers had one good two minute one good red zone period against the Jets in joint practices. Um, Tipa can long snap; they might need him. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think they go with those four and and the two injuries. I, I know they have a couple injuries, you know, Vernon Scott included, of guys that'll make the fifty three. But Zedarius and Bakhtiari are, you know, you have two All Pros that you don't know if they'll be ready for Week One. So that that those will be the main storylines, I think over the next two weeks. Yes. Inside linebacker. I have a change here. I'm going five. I'm going Chris Barnes, Devondre Campbell, Oren Burks, Ty Summers, and I think Isaiah McDuffie played his way onto the roster today. He took advantage of his homecoming, nine tackles, half a sack, and Bill, he did some, I've only been, this is only my third season covering this team. He did something that I have not seen an inside linebacker here do. There was a ball carrier in the open field, and Isaiah McDuffie attack the ball carrier for a tackle in the open field. In past years, we've seen the inside linebackers wait for the ball carrier to come to them. You know, Blake Martinez would do that. I think Christian Kirksey would do that. I'm not, Isaiah McDuffie's not going to play at all on defense, but he has been playing a lot on special teams and he'll obviously help there, but um, I didn't fall in love. That's probably not the right term to use, but he has, he has a little bit of that nasty in him, and, and I think uh, you got to give him props for that. I know that one tackle that I'm mentioning is probably a small thing that coaches may not even realize, but um, I think this is a position where you have to load up heavy on special teamers, on veteran special teamers, especially because you lose Randy Ramsey and Will Redmond for the season. Those would have been two of your core guys. I think Burke Summers and McDuffie are going to be big on special teams this year. Yeah, well said. Um Linebackers have to be your special teams guys because they're just big and fast and they're, they're tacklers. And if you're only going to keep four outside linebackers 
and two are the Smiths, two are the Smiths, and one is Gary. Yeah, your inside linebackers really have to spearhead that. I, I thought McDuffie was fantastic. He's borderline lock at this point. I had a scout tell me after the draft, he compared him to Matt Milano and said that he would start by the middle of next year. That scout what? texted me today with the words, told ya. <laughs> so, yeah, I, well, thought may, was, may, I thought he was really good. Yeah, I thought he's, other than Jordan Love, probably the story of the game. Did they, did McDuffie draw that comparison because he went to the same college as Matt Milano? Uh, he's just a Northeast <laughs> scout, so. Um, oh, there you go. Maybe, but yeah. But yeah, he was, um, he was really good today. He was, he was aggressive, can run. And for a guy who missed half a training camp, he had a hell of a day today. I agree. All right, Bill, cornerback. <laughs> Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Eric Stokes, Shannon Sullivan, Shamar Jean-Charles, and KB on Ento. And I wrote this in my story. KB on Ento and Isaac Yadam tried their best to get cut before the game ended on Saturday. <laughs> Isaac Yadam can't cover, KB on Ento can't tackle. Right after Jerry Gray goes on this whole spiel the other day about how Ento needs to learn how to tackle and wrap a guy up, he misses a tackle on his first chance. The Bills picked on Yadam on the first drive. Um, I have Ento over Yadam because I think the Packers are going to keep 11 defensive backs. But I think they'd rather keep a fourth outside corner than another safety. Um, and Ento has at least had some impressive moments in coverage in camp. I think the tackling is uh, easier fix than the coverage aspects. I may be wrong because I'm not a... a DB expert, but um, I think Ento stays just because, you know, he's been here longer and, and there is a little bit more upside than with Yadam. I know he's just a 2018 draft pick, but man, I know I said this in our, in our uh, group chat, Shamar has really not impressed me this preseason. Their depth at corner is really not good at all. And I understand they bolstered it with Eric Stokes and that's nice, but they got to hope nobody gets hurt because they could be in some serious trouble if someone does. Yeah, with their top four, they're fine, but they, they man, it's like going off a cliff. I'm going with Yadam, and actually I went with Yadam, I'm going to stick with them only because he's such a better tackler that that's what you need on special teams. So I'm going to go with Yadam because he can tackle. You're right about Jean Charles, though. I thought he had a good week of practice, but he regressed again. He's He's been a... Big disappointment. Um, maybe it's just the leap from Appalachian State where he's never faced an NFL quarterback in his life and maybe never an NFL receiver to facing these guys he's facing now. But it's been a struggle. Uh, maybe he makes it just because Sullivan will be a free agent next year and they were so far over the cap. Maybe they can't keep Sullivan, so you need someone to be groomed for that spot. So maybe he makes it on potential growth kind of thing. But, yeah, they are. And it's why they keep bringing in guys, right, Matt? I mean, they brought in Dominique Martin in mid-August. He's cut. And then the fourth quarter today, they're, they're quarterbacks. They're signing this week. I thought Steven Denmark didn't look bad. <laughs> he didn't look bad. He's a big dude. Yeah, he is. We're, now he's we're big. watching on TV, everybody. But he jumps off the screen as, and that's a big dude. That he was a big dude. I remember I read in my story about him signing him, I found some some pace quotes from the Bears raving about his size and speed. He's a 6'3 corner with 4'4", 6'40". That's uh, something to work with. But Keep that guy on the practice squad. Yeah, they're, yeah, their cornerback signed on Wednesday and a cornerback signed on Friday playing the fourth quarter today. 
And there's Rohes- people on Twitter can't believe the coverage is so bad. Really? You can't <laughs> believe it? These guys don't even know what they're doing. <laughs> That's fair. Cornerbacks, man. They'll, they'll make you lose sleep. Jerry Gray isn't going to get much sleep. Safety, I have five. Adrian Amos, Savage, Scott, Black, and Christian Uphoff. Bill, I did not know if there was a Matador from the running of the Bulls in Spain on the 10-yard line or if that was Ennis Gaines. And listen, he was a great interview, great story. You know, he's gone from DoorDash delivery guy to doorstep of a roster spot. But man, when you have the third string, I don't care who it is, you have the Bills' third string quarterback running straight in a straight line Five yards from the goal line, five, whatever it was, five, ten yards. And all you do is put out a fist to, to try and hit the ball. You don't even put your body into it. You don't even tackle him. It was Ennis Gaines and Jake Fromm. And he just literally put his hand out. Fromm knocked it out of the way, pranced in for a touchdown. Ennis Gaines isn't going to play on defense this year anyway. It would just be special teams, really. And that play probably doesn't matter for special teams. But that's the kind of play... And I know we effort is cliche, but that's the kind of play that Brian Gutekunst and John Eric Sullivan and Matt LaFleur are going to look at on film and say, a guy with that kind of effort does not deserve a spot on this team. That is... Um, what was the worst tackle attempt, Matt? Ennis Gaines or J.K. Scott? Oh, well, J.K. Scott didn't even attempt. I would say... Ennis Gaines, because J.K. Scott, you can't even call that an attempt. He kind of just like, he didn't even go for it. You're talking about on the Jaguars punt return for yeah. the touchdown last year. Yeah, yeah. J.K. Scott just kind of like pump faked the tackle. He didn't even go for it. Ennis Gaines. And J.K. Scott's a punter. Ennis Gaines is, his nickname is Thump, Bill. His, I know. I was going to ha- say that. He, has a, he got his nickname in high school from being a hard-hitting safety. What the heck is he doing? And, so- and listen, Uphoff had the really nice special teams play against the Jets. I think both of them would just play special teams, but I think, I think you got to take five safeties, especially if Savage plays in the slot a little bit this year. Vernon Scott, it'll be interesting to see if he lands on IR after the 53. He, he's missed the past week or so with a hamstring. But um, I think Uphoff makes it for special teams, if only because Gaines, maybe I'm overreacting and, and painting too big of a picture off of one play, but man. When a play sticks out that badly, uh, I think that that'll affect some decisions. Yeah, that I was thinking these safeties are really good. I mean, not like really good as improvement, but really good potential-wise between Henry Black, who's got a place locked up, and Uphoff and Gaines. They really all had good camps. And then this, it's like you said at corner, they're trying to get each other cut. Jacob Fromm is not Mr. Trubisky running the ball. Jake Fromm ran his 40 in 5.01 seconds. He is as slow as molasses, and he missed him. <laughs> and it does matter on special teams because the kick returner he's going to be chasing is going to be a hell of a lot faster than Jake Fromm. That was embarrassing. Uphoff missed two tackles. Uphoff missed one on special teams, and he missed one near the goal line on a running play. He was terrible. Gaines is terrible. Um, and you're right. I don't, we don't know what's up with Vernon Scott. We're all just spitballing if, he, if he's an IR guy or if he's ready to come back to practice this week. We have no idea. Um, but boy, oh boy, from a guy, from a group that I thought was pretty loaded with potential to what happened today. Good heavens, man. It was not good. Quickly through special teams, Crosby, Scott, Bradley. I, I think it's, 
and I wrote this. I said, long snappers have to be perfect. Bradley has been anything but. Just because he makes the initial 53 on Tuesday doesn't mean his job is safe for much longer beyond that. You know, one bad snap, and that's too many bad snaps. Hunter Bradley, you know, has consecutive bad snaps in practice and, and in a game. And, um, you know, Justin Reed, the star safety for the Houston Texans, took the opening kickoff tonight for the Texans because their kicker was hurt. I'm sure the Packers could find someone else to snap a ball to save a roster spot mm-hmm. because, you know, Hunter Bradley must have some blackmail on Brian Gutekunst because it seems he has really nice job security, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get past these uh, ro- first wave of roster cuts and they bring a long snapper or two in to try out. Yeah, I put down TBA in my roster projection. Um, maybe, maybe it'll be TBA or... Maybe maybe it'll be they'll scan the waiver wire on Wednesday and see who's out there. But they had field goals twice this week. One was in the Hudson Center after the rain came, and there were six kicks for Crosby. And Scott had to get three of them off the turf. Three that's out of the six, JK, and then th- that's why J.K. On Scott's Thursday. on this team. Then one of the seven on Thursday was was low that Scott had to go grab as well. So that's thirteen snaps for four were low. This is a no pressure training camp practice how in the hell is he going to handle you know it's a 47 yard field goal to go to the championship game how's he going to handle that snap he's you're right matt how he's still on the team is just beyond me yeah blackmail i agree Hashtag. all right quick run through the practice squad guys that we think could stick on the p squad and then we'll get to questions kurt bankert i say he's back on the practice squad yes Dexter Williams, I say he's back on the practice squad. Patrick Taylor, I say he's out of here. No, no Patrick Taylor. Correct. Okay. Wide receivers, I say Begleton's back. Um, I say Damon Hazleton's back. He's actually made a couple of nice catches in practice. Had one in the game today that was wiped out by Daphne's um, holding or offensive pass interference it was. Pass interference, yeah. Pa- yeah, offensive pass interference. Very tacky, yeah, but yes. Yeah. I think... Uh, Winfrey and St. Brown um, are IR candidates. I think they could, I don't know how close they are to returning, but um, I think, well, then they would have to keep them on the 53. I don't think anyone's claiming Juwan Winfrey or EQ St. Brown. So maybe St. Brown, definitely not Winfrey. So I I think Winfrey could end up back on the practice squad, Begleton, Hazleton. They're either going to keep two or three receivers on that. Um, what do you think about that group? Hazelman's pretty interesting. He did have a good day Thursday. He had a t- really good toe-tapping touchdown on Thursday. Um, don't rule out Chris Blair coming back. Your guy, Chris Blair, who you wrote about at the that really good story at the Athletic back in the spring. Um, I think they really like him. He just he had that high ankle sprain. You know how those things are, Matt. They're just a bugger to get overcome. I think they've cut him just to let him get healthy. Once he's past that, I can see him coming back. So okay. maybe not the initial practice squad, but I think once he's good to go, I can see him coming back. That's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, tight end, I think they could keep Kafusi on the practice squad yeah. like we talked about, and I think for the reason you said, to keep developing him. I think he's an intriguing prospect, if anything. Um, the D-lineman transitioned to tight end, and they could groom him to be the next, you know, Y. Y t- I, I mean the letter Y, um, kind of what Mercedes Lewis does. So... Um, I think he could stick on the practice squad. 
Yep. Got it. Yeah. Mercedes can't play forever. So I'm not, and I'm not sure. If Capucci he might be able that, to, he might be he, able to. <laughs> maybe, but you know, give, give, put him on the practice squad and see what you get for the next four months. Yep. Uh, O-line. I think Van Lannan sticks on the practice squad. I think you got to get rid of Jake Hansen. If you're a center who can't snap the ball, then you got to go. Um, I don't know much about Jacob Capra or Koi Kronk in terms of what the, the team thinks about them, but you could probably keep one or two of those guys on the. I mean, they're not going to get claimed, so I, I could see both those guys being back. Yeah, it's the practice squad's kind of funny sometimes. Zach Johnson spent all last year on it, and it's like well, he was terrible in training camp. No offense to Zach if he's listening, but I, I don't I'm think you, Zach Johnson's God, listening. Some of these practice squad things are the guy knows the offense, the guy knows where to find the lunchroom, he knows where the meetings are. We don't need to teach him all this stuff. He doesn't need to be held by the hand. The guy knows what he's doing. He's dependable. I think that kind of matters for some of the, you just you just need those guys to give you a look on right and like you mentioned earlier with Reggie Begleton, like worst case scenario if someone needs to be thrown onto a game day active roster like they at least know their way around the system whereas you know you bring in a guy on a short week have to teach have to teach him um, everything on short notice that's less ideal D-line I could see them keeping Prevalon. He mm-hmm. flashed a couple times this camp um, in joint practices, especially. So I could see them keeping him. Yeah, no doubt. In fact, I at one point I had him neck and neck with Heflin. I thought he was doing really well. Then Heflin is past him here at the end. Um, he, it was interesting. He he was always in those special teams drills. It's like there's some there's some. He's just not this big guy. There's some athleticism there that they see. So yeah, I, yeah. I think probably on the way back as well. Hell, maybe even Carlo Kemp too. You, you need you need big guys that you don't want to beat on. I mean, you don't want to beat on TJ Slayton on Thursdays, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you're right about that. Uh, outside linebacker, I think Tipa could stick. I think Chauncey Rivers could stick. I think you got to keep at least two there. Um, so I'll go Tipa and Chauncey Rivers. Yep, I agree with you. I think Chauncey's tough to cut. And Tipa's got that, he's got that athleticism, you know, that, that spin move might not always go anymore, but there's some athleticism there. It might, um, it might go backwards, actually. You might get might pushed back, back while you're spinning. It does go backwards a lot, but there's, <laughs> he's got some stuff you can't teach. So yeah, I, I do think he'll stick around. Inside linebacker, you see any reason to keep Ray Wilborn or Dijon Harris? I thought Wilborn was pretty good today. The guy yeah. can run. Yeah. He, I, th- I think he was covid at the start of camp, so I mean, he was just he just kind of got behind the eight ball, and actually has some pretty decent depth there. So I can I can see him coming back. There's he had some safety background at Ball State, if I recall correctly. So yep, decent development. You're right. Corner. Put Steven Denmark on the freaking practice squad. Darn straight. Safety. Ennis Gaines practice squad. Yes, absolutely. I'd give him a practice squad spot. Yeah, you hate to throw it all out. What's that phrase? You hate to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And it was one bad play for a guy who's had a really pretty gosh darn camp. There's there's something worth keeping there. Yeah. All right, let's get to some questions. We got 21, so we'll touch on a couple. All right, from Lou. Can you explain how Matt LaFleur said Zedarius might miss the season opener, but Brian Gutekun said day-to-day? Any updates? Thank you. You know... With Matt LaFleur, I don't, I don't think, you know, he has Flea, Brian Engel, the head trainer, who's nicknamed Flea, in his ear right before these pressers saying, 
Here's this. I think Matt LaFleur sometimes just shoots from the hip. Um, so anytime your all-pro edge rusher is out, it's a concern. And I think him saying he could miss week one isn't, oh, he's really in danger of it. I think it's just Matt LaFleur saying, oh, sure, it's a, it's a humanly possibility or it's a humanly possible for him to miss week one. We'll see this week if he's practicing later this week. Um, I think most of that's just semantics with guys like just saying stuff during press conferences. But I definitely think if Zedarius isn't on the field at some point this week, then it becomes an official concern. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think if you're a coach, you're probably wise to overestimate injuries as a just-in-case, right. which is why I think they're being so quiet about Bakhtiari. You hate to put a date out there for Bakhtiari. And then he doesn't quite get there. Then we're asking, well, what the hell happened? Was there a setback? So, yeah, it's probably a good way to go by by LaFleur. And anybody who's old like me, backs are tricky. You never quite know sometimes. Yep. From Agram Joshi, what are the odds the season-long number six cornerback is currently on the roster? Maybe 30%. You know, if KB on Intel learns how to tackle, he could be the number six cornerback. Yeah, if you're the number six corner, you're just playing special teams. God forbid, you know, it'd be like the 2016 Packers that went to Atlanta for the NFC Championship game and all their corners were hurt. So yeah. Then, then it's a problem, but, you know, in a... Who played... I, I was still a junior in high school. I remember watching... Or a junior in high school, Jesus Christ. A senior in college. Who played corner for the Packers in that game? Well, Demarius Randall was back, but he had come off core muscle surgery, so he was not very good. Um, but their Ladarius Gunter was man was locked up man on man against Julio Jones that game. Ladarius Gunter's forty, I believe, was four point six nine. That's where they were at cornerback. Ladarius Gunter was their number one guy against Julio. That did not go well. Yeah, it was what forty four to twenty one that game. Yeah, miles about one hundred and forty four to twenty one. Seriously, it was massacre. Um. From Nacho Ramen, what's the shot of Jawan Winfrey making the squad? He was doing really good before he got hurt. I agree. I think he was the star of OTAs. He played well early in camp, but he's been a victim of the injury bug. I, I think they can sneak him through waivers and put him on the practice squad, or, um, yeah, I think that's the most likely scenario. I think they waive him, get him back on the practice squad, and if he picks up where he left off, they can, you know, give him a shot as one of those uh, practice squad call-ups for the game day 48 or give him another shot to earn that spot on the 53 in practice. Yeah, so we don't get really any real in injury updates this time of year. So, we're, I mean, is Winfrey a week away or a month away? So, yeah, they, they cut him and bring him back when he's, when he's good to go. But you're right, he was, he was really good during OTAs. I mean, you know, with, with all the main guys out, he was the guy who carried the load offensively a lot of those days. Yep. From Nick, oh my God, I'm going to mispronounce your last name. N-J-E-G-O-M-I-R. Jegomir is what I'm going to say. If I got that right, please tweet at me. If I didn't, I apologize. From what you've seen, has Green Bay's special teams improved at all? Nope. No, I mean... J.K. Scott had a 21-yard punt last weekend. Mason Crosby missed a 28-yard field goal. Coverage teams still aren't great. Uh, Hunter Bradley still can't snap consistently. So, no. 
I mean, and they just lost two of their best special teamers in Will Redmond and Randy Ramsey for the season. So yeah, I would they say give, no. a, give a 21, I want to say 21 yard punt return today too. But you know, the only, um, to put lipstick on a pig here, you have no idea who their units are going to be. None. I mean, he's just, he's just throwing guys out there. They'll, they'll have two weeks of practice to get a core group together of, you know, with Burks and Summers, maybe McDuffie's part of that to really hone in on, on their key guys. But, um, that's the positive spin on it. <laughs> You're the king of positive spin from yeah, Elliot B. Which Packer do you feel will have the biggest breakout year this season? I don't know if you can say MVS will have a breakout year, um, but I think it's him. I think he's had a, the best camp of anyone. Um, Aaron Rodgers really likes the headspace he's in. I think he's going to be a guy who catches 60 passes, could go for 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns. That's the kind of season I think he has with all the attention on Devontae. Yeah, he dropped one pass last week, and it was noteworthy because he dropped a pass. Back in the day, it had been he dropped a pass. There's MVS again. It, yeah. How can you live with that guy, Matt? <laughs> I know. Now it's like, oh, my God, he dropped a pass. Yeah. Um, now, now it's a rare AD occurrence. Dillon would be a, a breakout guy because he didn't play last year for the most part. Um, in fact, I know there's a, a Kylan Hill, AJ Dillon question here coming up here. Um, trying to figure out where it is, but no, AJ Dillon is going to have a lot of carry. He's gonna have a lot of success. Oh, it was from Todd Cross. He'll plus or minus more snaps than Dillon. No, Dillon is the number two guy. No. Dillon's gonna have a yeah. hell of a year. Yeah, I agree. You know, just because he averaged three and a half yards of carry to Kyle, Kylan Hill didn't run well this preseason. You know, he had a couple explosive plays, but Kylan Hill did. Dexter Williams ran much better than Kylan Hill this preseason. So, uh, yeah, A.J. Dillon isn't losing that number two role. I think people just got kind of caught up in the moment today. Um, Colby Trotter says, how you doing? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I'm good now that preseason's over. How are you, Colby? From Jay Cutler, from at J 6 I know this isn't the real Jay Cutler, but whatever. Do I have a right to get mad at people for tossing their dog waste in my trash can after the garbage truck comes? I keep our bin in the garage, so when people do that, it's like a poop sauna every time I open it until the next trash day. Thanks. I'll take your answer off the line. Well, you're getting it on the line. You got to report those people to the cops. Yeah, my nephew, he's, he works for a parks department. Um, I can't believe I'm telling this story. It, it was very hot out, and it rained, and he was cleaning up that particular garbage can at the park, and he about died that day. Poor kid. Oof. I got All one right. from my friend Steve Clark. Go ahead. So, based on Philip Rivers coaching high school football, which current Packer would make the best high school coach? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> I'm going to go with Lucas end... Patrick. Okay. Because Lucas, Why is that? I, I, Lucas is smart. Lucas knows the value of hard work. Nothing's ever been handed to him. He was an undrafted free agent. I believe he was cut once. Um, he just kept working and working and working and working. He built him up and built himself into a legit starter. I think that's the kind of guy you would like um, to lead your son if he's on the high school football team. I like that pick. The best high school football coach. Let's see, and we'll finish it off with this. I am going to go with maybe a little bit of a surprise pick. I'm going to go with Jair Alexander, and here's why. 
Jair loves working with kids. He does a bunch of camps and whatever. He, he might be a little out there with us, but I think you need someone who can relate to the kids. You don't need an old curmudgeon who is going to preach the old ways. I think Jair is very new school. I don't know if he wants to get into coaching, but he works well with kids. He's a damn good football player, and he can bring a little swag to a high school football team. Good answer. There you go. That's what we're here for. We're here for good answers. And we'll come to you again, since there's no game next week, and there's a two-week layoff uh, until they play the Saints. We'll come to you breaking down the 53-man roster late next week after that second waiver wire period is over, the second wave of of roster moves. Brian Gutekunst talks to us at 3.30 on Tuesday afternoon. Um, So we'll record right after that and have an episode out for you Wednesday morning. But as always, for Bill, you can find him on SI, myself on The Athletic. We'll talk to you next time.